This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast on this Friday, as we get ready for a, a very big sports weekend, the Rangers are on their way to the next round, having handled the Devils well in New Jersey as the scene will shift to Madison Square Garden. And tonight, well, it will be like an old-time Friday night in Madison Square Garden. This is going to take me back this evening because it has been a long time. The Knicks playoff run against Atlanta, if you want to call it that, their quick visit against Atlanta never, ever gave anybody any real authentic playoff field because the Knicks were so bad. But this year it's different. This team is different, and the first two games of the series are different. The Knicks got the split that they needed to get, and now that will set up tonight at Madison Square Garden at 8.30 this evening. It will set up an old-time basketball spring night in Madison Square Garden. And we haven't had one of these in such a long time. We used to have them all the time. I mean, there were so many years during the the halcyon days of Mike and the Mad Dog and even uh, later than that, where in May you knew you were going to spend spring nights at Madison Square Garden, and then Sunday afternoons at Madison Square Garden and walk out into that uh, afternoon sunlight on a May Sunday or a late April Sunday or a hopefully June Sunday and have that special moment. The Knicks were playoff fixtures. They made it at least to the second round year after year after year, and they would take different level runs twice to the finals, never winning a championship during the Ewing era, twice getting to the finals, but having so many dramatic moments, so many big nights against the Jordan Bulls, against the Pacers, against the Heat. And now this time it's the Cavs and it's different names. But with what Brunson has brought to this team, with what Hart has brought to this team, and throw out game two, I was puzzled that Hart played, and let's be honest, after his terrific performance in game number one, critical performance in game number one, it's not even fair to say he really played in game number two. I mean, he had a really bad game, but what we expect, he was on a a bad ankle. It was thought that he wouldn't play. He did play, but didn't offer very much, didn't offer a heart-like performance as the Knicks fell. A big part of this series, as I stressed to you before game two, was going to be the Cavs going elsewhere to get some scoring. And I talked about how 
they would insert Levert and ask him to be an offensive force. And in game two, he was an enormous offensive force. Mitchell got enormous help from Garland and Levert, who combined for 56 points, who hit 10 threes between them and shot over 50% from three. And that is critical. If you want to look at one guy on each team, and I know a lot of people are centering in on Barrett's futility, but the Knicks can overcome Barrett's futility. They already have in this series. They need a big game from Hart. They need to get up on the offensive glass. They need the requisite games, of course, from Brunson and Randall. But as Levert goes offensively, and Hart's line and Levert's line will tell you a lot about where these games go. I know there's a thought that, hey, they're going to have to get somebody to pick it up elsewhere. It doesn't have to happen. It would be nice if the trio of quickly or Grimes, Toppin when he comes into the game, would knock down a couple of threes. The Knicks are not a good three-point shooting team. On a night where they can get some threes to drop from those three and Barrett, they are going to be very tough to beat. But tonight, the Knicks are going to try and do what they do, which is play defense, get up on the offensive glass, and get a whole lot of scoring out of Brunson and Randall with Brunson carrying the weight down the stretch of the game. That's what you expect from him. You expect him to lead and you expect him to be the guy who can get his shot, who can get to the foul line, who can get two points or three points when you need it down the stretch. Mitchell, we know, can do that for them. Brunson has to be the guy to match that. And he can match that. And he has been a money player. He has been a championship player on the college level. He was great in the playoffs last year, and he will show you that. I expect him to shine, shine in his New York playoff debut this evening. So if you're fortunate enough to be going to the Garden tonight, this is going to be what you've heard about. You haven't seen. Not unless you're old enough to have been there quite a few years ago. But you've heard about it. And I'll tell you, now you get a chance to experience it. It's going to be special. It's going to be loud. There's going to be so much energy in that place this evening. At 8.30, you won't know what hit you. It's been a long, long time coming. And finally, it's here with a team that can live up to that kind of billing. Big night, big game. Your emails when we return. You're listening to the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Mike Francesa Podcast. And remember, Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey play Sugar House in Connecticut for all your wagering needs, whether it's on the playoffs, on the NHL playoffs, 
You have, obviously, plenty of baseball day in and day out. And you have the Triple Crown coming up in horse racing. Um, I was, from what I heard about this series, I was very surprised the Rangers were underdog in this series. I knew that the Devils had more points. I know the Devils had the extra home game. I understand the math. I just thought from everything I could ascertain from people I trust in hockey, the Devils were not as good a team. And it is shown in the first two games. I mean, let's be honest. The Rangers have just dominated them, especially with the power play. I mean, when the Rangers have had the puck in the scoring zone, they have dominated the game. And how many stupid penalties can the Devils take? I mean, enough to make sure that the Rangers have just filled up the net from the power play, especially uh, my old buddy, Mr. Kreider, who has uh, been just a machine on the power play. All right, let's get to your emails. Remember, send them to Mike Francesa podcast at gmail.com. Richard in Connecticut starts us off. Do you think the Mets are mishandling Francisco Alvarez? I think they're force feeding him. Plus, I don't think that everybody's on the same page, meaning that I don't think Buck's in love with the whole process. I don't think Buck's looking to put a catcher in who is an offensive catcher to take the position down defensively, impact his pitching staff, and then worry about whether the guy can figure out how to hit major league pitching. That's a lot to ask. It really is. Alvarez's prospects have been built around his bat. I have no question that eventually he's going to be a good hitter. But they are rushing him, and now they're trying to force feed him. And... It has not looked pretty. It didn't look pretty in the handful of at-bats last year, and it hasn't looked pretty in the handful of at-bats this year. So do I think they're mishandling it? Yes. Mike asks, uh, we don't hear much about this story. With thoughts on Juan Soto's situation, he turned down big money from the Nationals, forced his way out. Since being in San Diego, his production has fallen off a cliff. What team would pay him big money at this point? Listen, his adjustment in San Diego after being one of the best players in baseball has been slow, okay? I mean, he was great in Washington. He's still a young man. Plus, he still gets on base a lot because he walks. You know what kind of power he has. I mean, I saw him just recently at City Field hit one up on the bridge. It must have been 460 feet. I wouldn't worry about Soto. He'll get it figured out in San Diego. I, I really do not worry about him. I just think it's been an adjustment. That's all. He's a young guy. And things change once you get that kind of money. They really do. But his talent, his power, his ability to really get on base, take walks, hit with that kind of power. Um, he's a special player. Marcus asks, is Draymond Green a Hall of Famer? Is Draymond Green a Hall of Famer? He's been an integral part of a four-time championship team. But he is not. Not 
And I know I'm a hard marker, but he is not Hall of Famer. I'm sorry. No, he is not. Chris says, whenever you get a chance to talk about the Rangers, you praise Chris Kreider. Uh, he's been great so far. Well, yeah, he has been dramatic in his two playoff games. You know, he had 10 goals in the playoffs back in 2021. Um, we know that he can be a prolific goal scorer. He had 52, and then this year he had 36. You know, when I talk to somebody around the team, which I did when I was at the game, they weren't, they didn't think his year was great. And I was surprised that they were not, you know, effusive in their praise of him. Um, I, first of all, I've met Kreider a couple of times. I, I've been around him. He's a great kid. So I don't know many Rangers. I know none, to be honest. The only one I've even met is Kreider. And I've met him on multiple occasions. Um, I've been at a couple of events with him. I've always pulled for him. And there were some times I were, I, I know they always thought he was going to be a big player. And then they were down on him for a while. Let's be honest. And people waited for his production for a while through those years when he was getting, you know, 20, 21, 26, 28, you know, 24 goals. They were waiting. And I thought there was a chance that he could get moved in one of those years. For the right player. Thankfully, it didn't happen. And now, hey, he's off to a flying start with four goals in two playoff games. And if the Devils let him sit in front of that net, he's going to keep scoring them. I mean, that's all there is to it. But yes, he is a fan of mine. I mean, I am a fan of his, and uh, I've known him for a while. And I do pull for him. I heard you give a lot of credit to Rob Manfred for the changes in baseball. Yeah. He's the, he's, the, he's the commissioner. You know, the guy in charge gets the credit when things happen that are good on his watch. He's the last stop. He's where the buck stops. So you credit that guy when things go right, and things have gone right this year for baseball. So, yes, I've credited Manfred. I've also been very hard on him through the years, but let's be honest, the changes he made this year, and they were sweeping have been tremendous for the sport. Not good, tremendous for the sport. Let me finish the email. I've read articles and seen interviews with Theo Epstein that Theo was uh, partially behind the changes. Well, he might have been. I don't know that. I haven't talked to Theo in a long time. I knew Theo when he was a young man. Haven't been around him much in in adulthood, you know, he was a kid when I knew him. Um, do you think Theo deserves more credit? And could you see him as commissioner someday? Listen, Theo's already had a wonderful career. He's gone to two places and had great success where there was none and where it was storied success. Um, I... You know, there's been a lot of talk about Theo becoming a politician. Um, could I see Theo as a commissioner someday? Here's the thing I would say about Theo. He's clearly a leader, and he's well thought of, and he gets very good publicity. As, you know, you could be his PR guy as an example here with this email. But Theo gets good publicity. He sees to that. He manages his publicity very well. Um, 
But I don't know if he's the business guy. The cutting edge. See, what they want is they want a guy as commissioner who can deal with the networks and who understands how to negotiate the product forward from a TV standpoint. That's the most important thing. There's two things. There's two words that a commissioner has to understand to be commissioner, television and labor. That's his job. Negotiate the next big TV deal and keep labor under control. That's it. That's his job. Forget everything else. Everything else is nonsense. Television and labor. Why do you think Adele makes $50 million, $60 million a year? Television and labor. Get the money up on the TV side. Keep it coming in as big and flowing as big. Find the next big thing. Like BAM was, as an example. And that's how you keep your job. Peter asks, you used to have a good relationship with John Mara. He was on your show often as a fan, uh, at the fan. How is your relationship with him now? Um, Dormant. It is no secret. I was an outspoken critic of the giant moves and the Gettleman hire. Gettleman banned me from giant camp when I was still doing the daily show. Um, the Giants were very upset with my criticism, which was very fair and very deserved. And I have not mended fences. I've seen Chris Mara at Saratoga. I have not bumped into John Mara. And since I'm not doing this stuff day to day, I've had no need to have him on the show. Um, I haven't been out to Giant Camp. Uh, So I haven't seen John. I I don't I think if I bumped into him tomorrow I think our relationship would be very cordial. We've always gotten along very well. Uh, I like John Mara. I've always like I said I've always gotten along great with 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 the Mara family from Wellington on down. Um, but I know they were very angry with my criticism. But you know what? My criticism was deserved. They let Gettleman destroy the place, and Gettleman basically banned me from you know he wouldn't let me come out there and do a show. And he cut me off. So that's fine. And he, he was a terrible hire. Terrible. And the team paid for it for a very long time. Now they've come out of that day. So hopefully they're headed in the right direction. Listen, here's the thing about the Giants this year. The Giants are going to have a hard time being anywhere near the same record they were last year. Because they won a bunch of games with mirrors. Go back and look at the games, the teams they beat that they were down to at half. Those are winning teams they beat that were down that they were down to and sometimes down to big big figures, 10 points, 17 points at the half. And they came back and won those games. You don't do that often. They got great coaching last year. From the head coach, from the defensive coordinator, they got great coaching. And they won a lot of games that really they had no right winning. So it could be a tough second go-round for them. They could be better. They probably will be better. They'll probably take a step forward, but take a step back in the record. Mike in Yorktown. Will the Yankees DFA Hicks when Bader returns? They need to do something. Um, He's already clogging up the roster. Let's be honest. Hicks 
and Donaldson have been clogging up the roster since before the season started. You know I've never been a Hicks guy. And I hated the Donaldson move. I didn't like the Stan move. I haven't liked the team since they brought Stan in. I still don't like the team. I still don't like the team. Judge is a wonderful player. We know that. I love Rizzo. He's a Yankee. And that's as high as compliment as I can give him. He's a Yankee. But I can't stand the team. I don't like anything about it. It's a terrible line. Sometimes they put out a lineup that is just dreadful. And I, I give them credit for being patient with the kid. And I would be. I would be patient with him at shortstop. I really would. Because you know what? It's the best thing. It's the best thing they could do. And I'll tell you what I would do with him. Because he walks and steals bases, I would bat him leadoff because it's going to be great for him batting leadoff. He's going to get a lot of fastballs if he bats in front of Judge. And he does walk, so he's going to get on base, and Judge isn't going to have a problem with that. So from that standpoint, it gives you a chance to overcome, you know, him having a pretty rotten start. I mean, Volpe's hitting on the 200. But he is being productive in terms of, of walking and in terms of stealing bases. So from that standpoint, you know what? It's not a bad deal. It really isn't while you wait for him, you know, to learn how to hit in the major leagues. That's really what it comes down to. You know, um, on the season, when you're batting that low, he's hitting 193, his on-base percentage is 343. That's good. Why? Because he walks. He's walked 13 times. He's stealing bases. He's got eight steals and 13 walks. You can bat him leadoff, get him a ton of fastballs. It's going to help him. When he's batted leadoff of late, in his last 22 at-bats, he's hit 270. So the bottom line is you've seen him drive the ball a little better, and you've seen him hit the ball a little better. He will be much better off at the one spot. Now, you can say, well, at nine, he's after the first time around, he's in front of Judge anyway. True. But you want him directly in front of Judge. You want him right before Judge. That gets him pitches to hit all the time. And if you want to develop him, and they badly want to develop him, badly want to get him to be a star, um, that's what you do. And show patience. And they've done that. Uh, Joe says, you have always had a pretty good feel for coaches in New York and when their run is over and when their changes need to be made. Do you think if the Knicks lose this series that Thibodeau uh, may be in jeopardy and they may need a younger coach more in tune with today's players? I do not think he has done a bad job. I think he is a good basketball guy. I know he doesn't fit every roster. 
and this roster and bringing heart to him really brought him. See, last year they brought him players that didn't fit. Now this year they went and brought him players that do fit, and you see the result. He does not need to go, but it wouldn't stun me if they lost this series and didn't play well the rest of the series that he would be gone. It wouldn't stun me, but he doesn't deserve that. And I think they will play well in this series. What would be well? A, if they lose a squeaker, you live with it. If they win a squeaker, you live with it. I don't think they're going past this round anyway, but they could win this round. And I expect them to play well tonight. I really do. Frank says, now that the Oakland A's uh, have moved to Vegas, uh, yes, uh, Oakland A's have to stay, I believe, four more years, counting this year, and three more in Oakland. But they have officially cemented their move to Vegas. There was talk of Salt Lake City, but it sounds like they are going to Vegas in four years. Uh, Do you think the Rays will ultimately leave Florida, uh, or will they stay in the I-4 corridor and build a new stadium. I don't know. I think they will stay in the I-4 corridor myself. I don't know about a new stadium. I have not paid enough attention to what the uh, municipality is going to give them. Remember, they are run by the smartest guy in sports, in my mind, the smartest owner in, in the business. So whatever they do, they're going to do the right thing, as they always do. Dan says, what about the Yankees and all these injuries? Well, first of all, when you bring older players in, you're going to have injuries. Number two, if you go out and get pitchers and they have any hint of past injury problems, and nine out of ten pitchers do have some history of a problem, almost You know, they had Tommy John X number of years ago, or they did this, or they did that. Hey, pitching is an unnatural act. It's always going to produce arm problems. So you expect that. But when you go out and purchase pitches, you don't want them to be hurt before you get them on the mound. It looks bad. And the Yankees have done that, and they they look bad. They look ridiculous on some of these plays this year that they brought in. Because these pitchers they brought in, a lot of them, they're not ready to pitch. And some of them might not pitch. So, yes, it's an issue. But what the Yankees have been good at is they've been good at finding arms they can utilize and turn into decent players. And it's funny how everybody, as soon as they start doing well, as soon as the team starts doing well, everybody wants to raid this one team. And you know who the team is? Always the Pirates. Everybody wants to raid the Pirates. You know that? Brian Reynolds comes out and he's whacking the ball all over the place. Oh, everybody wants Brian Reynolds. Everybody wants Brian Reynolds. You know, everybody wants the, you know, this arm they have. Oh, steal this guy. If you go back and look at what these guys, okay, how many pitchers, good pitchers, have been stolen? From the Pirates. 
and how many good players have been stolen from the Pirates, you will be like, this is unbelievable. I mean, it really is. How many times this happens and how many teams just... And listen, the Pirates are only going to spend so much money. We know that. But they do have talent and they do produce talent. And, you know, right now they're playing good baseball. And they, you know, all you hear now is, oh, get get Brian Reynolds. Oh, oh, that's what you want. You want to get Brian Reynolds. And that's all you hear. Hey, it's almost like these teams are there to produce players for the Yankees. You know, sometimes that gets to be a little much. But the bottom line is the Yankees have done a good job of bringing live arms into their organization or guys that they can figure out how they can utilize these guys and elevate them. You know, that's what Tampa has done so many times is taking a guy and just transformed them into a player and transformed a pitcher into a winner. They've done it time and time again. And you see it from certain teams and certain organizations, and you do see it a lot, a lot from the Pirates. And Pittsburgh right now, 13-7, and playing very, very, very good baseball. Um, Like we said, we will stay up on the Knicks all weekend. We'll give you a review of game three. We'll preview game four. It's a big weekend for the Knicks. Tonight, 8.30. Sunday, 1 o'clock. Rangers coming in now to play two big games at the Garden. Okay? I mean, they, they are going to dominate. You know, they are dominating the series. They play Saturday night. They play um, Monday night. So the next four days, this is like an old-time spring in May, in, in late April. As we head towards May, the Knicks on Friday night, the Rangers on Saturday night, the Knicks on Sunday afternoon, the Rangers on Monday night. Playoff basketball, playoff Hockey, enjoy. That's when it gets special. Nights like this. We'll see. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever. You get your podcasts.